Alrighty. Um, Hannah, thank you, or thank you so much, Julia, for sharing. That was amazing. Um, I think part of definitely becoming a parent makes you more emotional, for sure. I'm like thinking about my son, and you know, he needs something like that, and it's definitely is, is emotional. But I, I'm really grateful in the heart of, you know, obviously Christ loved us first, and. Um, that was amazing. I mean, I, I was sitting there just, I felt many feels. Amen. But um, I'm still feeling them, actually. So, amen, that was, that was amazing. Uh, but if you've got your Bible, turn over to Luke 18 this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and, and before we get started, let's just say a prayer. If you would, just pray with me. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time to be together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, God. I pray that just who you are can come powerfully through and and uh, what it is and, and how you want us to live and who you want us to be and, and how we can be, God. Thank you for freeing us, Lord, from so many of Satan's schemes. I pray that our hearts and minds can be open to your word. I pray that uh, we can easily connect this morning and see uh, just the ways that Satan comes at us, Father. We love you so much. Be with me. Uh, just Just speak through me, through your Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit just work on all of our hearts this morning. We're so grateful for you. We give thanks to you and praise to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about one of... It's, it's interesting. The world is, is plagued by sin. We all know that, right? We know that the world is plagued by sin. And oftentimes I use the illustration that, that sin is... It's like cancer when I try to explain it to people. You know, and cancer comes in a bunch of different forms. Uh, and so, in that though, it's, I, I want to look at one of probably the most uh, dangerous forms of, of the, the cancer we know is a sin. And so, we're going to look at this this morning. If you want to pick up, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 18. And we're going to be in verse 9 this morning. That's where we're going to start. Pick up here, verse 9. It says, to, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, we, we begin in this account of these two men, this parable that Jesus is telling. And he's talking about these two guys. And, and we look at it. One of them lives what we would say is a pretty good life, good guy. And then the other is the one who's this despicable tax collector, you know, the IRS man, the guy who's just coming to take your money. And, but we look at, at it and what Jesus sees is he sees that one of these men is afflicted with an incredibly horrible disease, right? This guy's afflicted, and he's, he's seeing this, and, and Jesus sees it. He sees that this guy's in real danger, but the other guy doesn't see his danger. He doesn't see 
that he's sick. He doesn't see that, that he's deceived by the pride in his life and the pride in what he does. And so it's, it's a challenge, but what's interesting is that this is one of those things that affects all of us. I mean, all of us can fall into this trap, right? In, in some way, shape, or form, or another. But Jesus looks at this and he goes, you know what? This is a disease, but luckily there's a cure. You know, it's funny, I, I, uh, I have the, the title of this morning's sermon, uh, sermon is, is Humilify, right? Humilify. It's not a word, it's a noun, you know, it's not a verb, it's a noun. But it's, um, it, it's funny. It's in James, James 4, I'm going to read the scripture later, but I saw this video uh, a while back and I was trying to get advice and, and say, you know, what's a good way to use it? There's a funny little video here, but it... it it makes fun of a serious thing, but I love how they go about it. And so I, I figure, we'll go ahead and watch this, and we're going we're gonna to start us off in looking at this disease that's there, but luckily, there's a cure. Two illnesses that have reached epidemic proportions above are pridefulitis and opinionation. And many have lost hope. Symptoms include hearing loss, anger, fears to debate, and delusions of not needing directions. I see pridefulitis every day in my practice. Destroys friendships, marriages, and careers. Sufferers can find it impossible to hear any advice or helpful input. But now there's hope. Introducing Humility. Just a few days on the Nullify, I was actually able to hear my spouse again. You know, I saved my marriage. I suffer from full-blown nag-resistant pride for life. The Nullify completely cured my hearing and my vision. The Nullify gave me hope. Has also been shown to be effective against other diseases like amphibicomitis, enophlacasius, and amphibicus. Exercise counter. Side effects include sincere apologies, attentive listening, and the realization that other people are intelligent. <laughs> Make the decision that will change your life. Try Humilify today. Humilify. Isn't it time you swallowed your pride? Good. <laughs> You know, it's funny, this idea of, you know, we're, we're laughing at it because it's so true, right? I mean, there's, they're making jokes about things that we've all, at different times, we felt, you know, it's the, the everything I know bestia, you know, the, 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 all of that get off my caseus, and, and there's these symptoms and the things we laugh about, and, and the, the nag-resistant elements in the marriage, and, and so many things you laugh about. I love the... The point that always gets me is the side effects may show that, you know, it shows that some people really are intelligent. You know, it, that one just makes me, it gets me every time. You know, but the title of this morning, like I said, it's Humilify, but it's the cure for pridefulitis. And I, I, I think before we can dig into, though, I think humility is going to be the, the, obviously the thing we want. But what was scary in the Luke 18 scripture that we looked at is that there's one man who sees his goodness, and he's got, he's, he sees his own goodness, and yet he fails to see God's goodness. And you see the other guy who, who realizes where he's at before God, and he goes to God seeing God's goodness. And he's the one that receives the power, 
the, the, the mercy of God, the justification. He, he gets those things. And so today I want to talk about, you know, obviously the, the dangers of pride, but then the power of humility itself. And it's funny, I look at this, and, and pridefulitis, a few effects of pridefulitis, you know, hearing loss, anger, the urge to debate, you know, delusions of not needing help, advice, or direction, an inability to see another's point, another person's point of view, right? Yeah. And that was in the video with the, the couple, and they're saying, you know, I was finally able to see and hear my wife again. You know, it, it was, the idea is that to be able to see where they're coming from and to see their perspective. And it's, it's crazy because here we, we laugh about it and we joke about it, and it is silly. You know, it's something to, we laugh at this, but what's interesting is when you look at pride, you know, pride's one of those things that we easily laugh at. You know, if you were to say, oh, I'm so prideful at different times, and if we don't recognize the seriousness of pride, you'd be like, oh, I'm such a prideful dog. And uh, I've, I've heard Mike use, Mike Fix use this before. He says, you know, we'd say, oh, I'm such a prideful dog, but do we, would we get up and say, oh, I'm such an adulterous person, right? I mean, no, you'd never say that. Nobody would laugh at that joke, but we could get up and, and look at pride. You know, pride is interesting. We look at this, we, we see the points, you know. It, we look at what does it destroy? It destroys friendships. It destroys marriages. It, it can destroy careers for people, right? You look at what does it create? It creates feelings of superiority, self-righteousness, selfishness, overly criticalness, and entitlement. These are all effects of, of pridefulitis, you would say. But uh, I had to throw this disclaimer on there. Warning, in most cases, it's known to elicit God's discipline. In rare and extreme cases, you know, it can even induce God's wrath. You know, we look at that, and some of it we can joke about and laugh about, but then there's the sense of really how serious pride is. You know, Psalm 73, verse 6, it compares pride to a necklace. And the funny thing about a necklace is that everybody else can see it but you, right? And I think that's why it's great when we have friends in our lives and different things, but it's, it's one of those things that other people see, that, that we ourselves have a hard time seeing, because it's on us, right? And, and we would say that. It's difficult to see. It's difficult to identify. Oftentimes, I even think that if, if they'd had glasses at the time of the Bible, God would have thrown in an inspired proverb. You know, we have the rose-colored glasses. You see the, the world through rose-colored lenses. Yeah. I think he would, have, he would have probably used an illustration like having pride-colored lenses, where you look through them and, and you see things, you see the world in a certain way, Right? And that's what's scary about pride is, is how it gets to us, how it gets us and sticks around us, how, how we even interpret the world through a certain lens. Right? It, it can be scary. For me, there's a, I, have a, uh, I have a spot on my back. I have like this funny little spot. And my doctors looked at it at different points. You know, uh, My mom has seen it like a, a while back. And, and Kristen actually sees it. My doctor told me, she goes, you need to keep an eye on that. She says, you need to make sure that you, you keep an eye on that. And so I have pictures of it, and when I go in, I, I check it out. But I can't see it, right? I can't see it. And my, my family, you know, my oldest sister, she's also a redhead. She's had skin cancer. She's had it removed. You know, she's had melanoma. My grandfather had cancer, and he passed away from cancer. So cancer runs in my family. And being fair-skinned, that's part of why I move. I like the North, because I'm less likely to get sunburned. Still possible, but less likely. You know, I, uh, I think most redheads migrate North. I've noticed. But um, I have this spot on my back that I can't see. You know? 
Yet if, if I don't pay attention to it, if I don't get help seeing it, there's a real chance, you know, if it were to turn cancerous, I, would never, I wouldn't see it. Without somebody helping look for me and, and check and tell me how's it going, there's, there's the real potential that it could turn into cancer and then kill me. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I, I think about it. But I wouldn't see it. It would just be there, you know? And, and slowly but inevitably making its way. And, and, and for me, I look at pride, and, and pride is that way too in us. You know, sometimes it's the thing we can't see, but it's slowly growing, and then we need other people in there. You know, we, we look at how does God feel about pride, and what does God think? Well, here's a few scriptures, and you can, you can jot these down. I'm not going to put them up there, but I'm just going to spin them off. Proverbs 18, verse 12, it says, Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud. Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Proverbs 8, verse 13, says, I, wisdom, hate pride and arrogance. Proverbs 16, verse 5, says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Now let's be clear. It says that God hates pride. He detests those who are proud. He says their downfall is imminent. That's scary. You know, that's, that's really scary. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want God to feel this way about me. Right? And... You know, we look at what does it do with, between us and God. Obviously, it, it damages and destroys the relationship with God. You know, pride is one of those things because many, uh, many people who write about pride write that it's, it's self-idolatry. It's where we view ourselves more important than either others and sometimes even God. Mm-hmm. That, that we worship ourselves more than we worship God. That we have more reverence for ourselves than we have for the Lord. And, and that's a scary place to be, right? Because God wants us to see who He is. And, and pride inevitably blinds us to that. But I, I look at this in, as well in relationships. Proverbs 13, verse 10, it says, Pride breeds quarrels. It breeds quarrels. You know, it's so true. Pride destroys good relationships, creates bad ones. You know, when you think about uh, if, if someone else is really proud and, and you know, we're, we are not actively striving to be humble as well, then what ends up happening is, is our relationships... We just develop bad ones, right? It's that coworker at work who's just a not nice person, right? And that individual just gets under your skin. That, that inevitably just builds a sort of relationship that does that. You know, for me, um, I've had, I know myself in, in this sense. I know that in my nature, I'm naturally, I'm very predisposed to be proud. I know it of myself. Um, I've had it destroy a number of relationships. Actually, the guy in the video, the, the main character who walks up and he goes, uh, the epidemic that's going around, that's the guy that helped me become a disciple. That's actually um, the brother who helped me become a Christian. He studied the Bible with me. Uh, he and I had a very challenging relationship. You know, I, I, he and I just naturally didn't get along. It felt like we, we, we struggled in our friendship. And... So much so that there, was, there were points where, and, and, and I will openly admit, I was a... <laughs> I don't know how to say this other than to use this word. I was just a blatant like jerk to this guy. There was a point where I actually told another brother in our ministry, I said, if, if I wasn't a Christian, not only would I not be friends with him, I would actively work to make his life harder. 
Like, that's just how I, I felt about him. I was so... I, I was just being so prideful in, in working against him. And, and I still... I mean, I, I fight. I fight it in myself. I know it's there in me. And, and I, I, I ask the guys who disciple me, and I'll ask you, church... I want, to, I want to see it. Pride is a necklace. He, you know, that brother was actually the one who told me that the first time. He said, pride is a necklace. I see it, everybody else sees it, and you don't see it. And so I actually opened this up. If you see it in me, I want you to talk to me about it. Okay? And, and I'm completely serious because I fear, I legitimately fear my pride. And the reason is, is because there was a point where my pride, my entitlement, my self-righteousness actually almost lost me everything that I really wanted. You know, my relationship with Kristen. There was a period where I felt so like, oh, I had her, I had her tied up, you know, I got it. I actually told another brother once, I said, I said, we're going to get married. And this was a year, more than a year, a year and a half before we got married almost. And I said, bro, at this point, the only way she's going to break up with me like, I'm more likely to have a meteor come from the sky and blow up my car than to have her break up with me. Because I was just convinced that, that I had it. But you know what that led to? Is I didn't... I took her for granted. I didn't take our relationship as seriously in, in certain aspects. I didn't fight as hard for our friendship. And, and we dated long distance. She was in school. She was having a very hard semester. We had, there was a lot of challenging things. I didn't fight for her because I felt like I already got it. I felt very entitled. I felt very assured of I locked it down. And the truth was I hadn't. And, and five months later, we're at a point where she's, she and I, I'm in tears. I'm like, she's not feeling like, I don't even know if I like you. You know, and, and, and she had her part of that, but I definitely had my part that led to that. And in that same period, or it was very soon after I made that comment, you know, I had a brother tell me he's, that my character was not on the point where they thought that I could even be in the ministry. Because I was so proud, and I was so entitled, and I was so selfish. And, I, and, and it's true. These guys were right, but God was revealing it to them and showing them, and God was seeing my pride, and other people were seeing it, and what it nearly did is it took two of the things that I knew that I wanted most in this world from me. And so when I think about it, it, it tells me that this is something that I have to be afraid of, right? Because God, it says, God opposes the proud, if you think about that, what does it mean to be opposed by God? Do we want to be opposed by the creator of the universe? No way! Who would want to be opposed by God? No, it's, it's, but it says that he would exalt the humble, right? And, and I look at this and I go, I see it in myself. It nearly cost me the things that I hold dear. You know, it, it brought to me, I really think, it wasn't just discipline. I feel like God went farther and, and really showed me I could take this all from you if you just won't be humble and recognize that it's, it's from me. It's not by your talents. It's not by your skills. It's because I'm going to give you the ability to do it. Right? And, and so that really humbled me. So I fear my pride. We should fear our pride because of what it does to our friendships, our relationships, and, and what it does to our relationship with God and how it separates us from each other. But it just destroys. 
It destroys our, our lives in so many ways. You see the movies? It, pride always comes before the fall, right? Yeah. You think of the movie, there's always the guy with the sports car and he thinks he's got everything down and it's awesome. And then he like climbs to this great height and then circumstance just like brings him crumbling down, right? Yeah. But that's just how God works. Pride always comes before the fall. It's a truth that God proves time and time again. And even the world that doesn't recognize God's role in it sees that it's true. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, it, and so I think it's all the more reason. When it's so true, the world sees it as true. We should be sure to fear pride. It's so dangerous. Do we see that, church? Mm-hmm. Pridefulitis. It, it seems silly, but it is really scary. You know, humilified. Turn over to, uh, turn over to uh, James chapter 4. You with me, church? Yeah. You know, what is, what is, point two, it says, the power of humilify. <laughs> what is humilify? Well, it's a concentrated dose and proprietary blend of a knowledge of God and an understanding of Jesus' love. Right? In James 4, verse 6, it says this, But he gives us more grace, and that is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, I look at this, though, and I, I want to focus on this aspect here. It says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Come near to God. What does it mean to come near to God? It means to see God for who he is, to get close enough that you can understand who God is. In a, in a great book uh, written through our fellowship, there was, it's called The Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility. I don't know if you guys have read that. I actually had the brother that I told you, he, uh, he really recommended that book. I think he even gave it to me. And then I tried to read it, and then I just couldn't read it. So I put it down. Uh, it's funny because I was so prideful, I couldn't read A Prideful, Size Gold, prideful Size Soul's Guide to Humility. Yeah. Um, but there's a quote in there that says this. It says, The deepest humility comes from contemplating the greatness of God. Humility from any other source is shallow and vulnerable. You know, when, when we come close to God, God will draw near to us. But I, I believe it's, it's through that we have the power to deny Satan, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's through Him that we have the ability to, to say no to sin. It's from the grace of God that gives us that ability. But in it, though, we look at what is, what is humility. It's freeing. Now, Certainly the devil is not God's equal. I don't want us to think that. Because, in fact, you can't, you've got to submit to God, but you're able to resist the devil. But when you look at these elements, he's saying, resist Satan. Satan is a celestial being. Satan is incredibly powerful. So we should not be deceived to think that he's not. But when we look at the scripture, you know, it says that we're called to resist him and he'll flee from us and, and one of the ways that Satan is going to come at us he comes at me consistently is, is through my pride 
And the, it's the scariest thing because, like I said, it, it, it covers our eyes. It sits close to our necks, right near our hearts, and we just can't see it. Right? But I look at this and I say, what can we do? What does the power of God do? What does the power of humility do? It gives us the ability to say, to, to have Satan flee from us. When you think about that, you have the power and strength through knowledge of God and through humility to resist a celestial being. That's awesome. If we spend the time and consider and think, but how does that happen? It happens when we see the power of God. When we draw near to God, God draws near to you. Does that make sense? And for all the same, for that reason, we should be sure that we're fighting to be close to God. You know, I want to know who God is. But humility means I've got to pursue Him and get close and go after it. You know, in, in Proverbs 21, verse 18, it says, Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 18, verse 12, it says, Humility comes before honor. This is awesome. When you think about if you desire humility, what does it bring you? It brings you wealth, honor, and life. I don't know about you, I think those things sound pretty appealing. Uh, you know, personally. It's particularly the life, because the life it's talking about, I believe, is going to be the life with Christ and a life with God. Yeah. But that's amazing to think of. It's incredible to think about. And so, I look at these scriptures, and I say, what does it mean? You know, what do, what do the humble have? The humble have really eager to learn. They're, they're, they learn very easy. They're very good, like, they're not good teachers, they're good learners. You know, and personally, I think, I'd share, I think David is actually an incredibly humble guy. I love working with David. He's, he's working as one of our interns. He's probably one of the most humble guys I've, I've ever had the opportunity to work with. Whatever Milwaukee was thinking about letting him leave, <laughs> praise the Lord, God blinded them so that they didn't see because they knew he needed to come here. I'm so grateful that he's here. The same thing with Jesse. Jesse is such an amazing learner. She's an incredible student. She just is so humble. I love, you know, he's not here. I love our, you know, Chris and I love our relationship with the meters. We just, it's so easy to have the friendship with them. And and there's so much, and so many of the relationships with so many are just great. But I love, I love David's heart and how eager he is. You know, you were well named, bro. Man, I forgot his own heart. But I look at this and I say, freed People who are, are humble are freed from insecurities and worries. You know, that, that sense of... Um, I, this was Kristen was trying to help me understand this because she's like, I think, trying to give me a woman's perspective on this scripture. And, and she was saying, you know, when we're not humble, we're very caught up in our own heads with what do other people think of us? What, what is... And, and guys definitely feel this way too. But... Trying to say, you know, when we get caught up in our own heads, we're worried about insecurity, we're self-conscious and and constantly thinking about what do other people think of us. But when we're humble, we actually think about what does God think of us. And that's freeing. Because other people's opinions really don't matter the same way anymore. Right? They don't justify or they they don't count as our standard. They give us our... God gives us our strength. Not the mentality of others. 
True humility is who we are in the presence of God, not in the presence of each other. Right? Because we know who God is, we therefore can be humble in all other circumstances. You know, it, it enables us to be able to focus on others. It's so powerful. It's amazing. You know, a humble person is in control in all situations. Uh, when you think about, for guys, what do we do when somebody makes a comment that damages our ego? What's the first thing we typically want to do? Fight them? You, you get the puffed up chest a little bit, you feel it, maybe you don't want to make the comment, but you really want to make that comment. You, you want to argue back. You want to cut them down and let them know their place. Right? I mean, you're, when, with, as a guy, when ego gets attacked by another person, when, we're, when our security, when our humility is not placed in God, we feel like we have to justify ourselves to those people. Right? Especially for, as a guy, if a guy is insulted in front of his, you know, his friends or his, you know, his girlfriend or his kids or something like that, immediately, right, we want to show, establish who we are. But the reality is, if we know who we are before God, that stuff just doesn't matter, right? And that gives us control where another person would lose it. And that's amazing to see the power of God's humility. It's incredible. You know, I want to. I want to end us back where we started. Turn over to Luke 18 again. There's another quote that I thought was excellent from uh, the Prideful Souls Guide. It says, "The power, the power of humility, does not lie in attaining it, but in the pursuit of it." It's not because that's because to pursue true humility is to pursue knowledge of God and an understanding of Christ's love. You know, and that's so true, that to... We're never going to obtain humility. Like, in the sense of we'll never be perfectly humble. It's like perfection. It's something we'll always strive for, because we'll never fully grasp who God is. Does that make sense? But it's something we should constantly strive for. In seeking out and seeking to understand. But in Luke 18... It says this. I'll read it again. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I think the Hannons did a good job this morning helping us see the why, really. It's because of Jesus, that what Jesus did and his death, his burial, his, his resurrection, his sacrifice, his mercy is perfectly embodied in Jesus. His humility is perfectly embodied in Jesus. What we see here is that this guy, you have the Pharisee 
who lives a good life with the wrong heart, and you have the tax collector who lives less than perfect, but just recognizes who he is before God. I, my hope is, church, that, that we can ultimately realize who God is. Pride, pride is a necklace. Pride is the lens in which we, it can cloud our eyes and our judgment. It should, it should be feared because God should be feared. But we don't need to fear if we can choose to be close to God. Get close to God and He will come close to you. Resist Satan and He will flee from you. Pride should be fought against. But we need other people in our lives. I need you, church. We need each other. Let's fight to be there, to watch each other's backs, to make sure that we're not letting pride get into our hearts and into our lives. And, and let's be there and let's strive, if somebody's saying it, to be really careful to listen and carefully consider. But we have the cure. So let's make sure we purify our hearts and get rid of our pride. Amen. Amen.